Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. I've referred to it as our nation becoming hypoxic. That's when your brain is not getting enough oxygen. The way I see it, you have a right hemisphere and a left hemisphere in your brain. And for us in the United States, the left hemisphere of our brain is withering and shriveling and dying. It's the only way I can explain it. Now, why am I telling you this? Because I have the perfect story for you to explain exactly this phenomenon. You have people on the quote unquote right, which includes disaffected liberals, libertarians and conservatives saying what's happening at the southern border is a crisis of epic proportions. Something must be done about it. We cannot just place random adult economic migrants all over our cities. We have no place for them. We already have a a massive homeless problem. These are people that are citizens of this country in various cities who need our help. Videos of drug addiction and homelessness are heartbreaking. Yet instead, Democrat policies and Joe Biden's efforts mean more and more non-citizens will flood the country and it's going to be ripping it apart. Now, the reason why I say there is hypoxia in the brain of this country is that you have I have a couple stories for you. A couple are people protesting that illegal immigrants are being housed in their neighborhoods. Another is people protesting anti-immigration laws, anti-illegal immigration laws. Just to clarify. So you've got in Florida, Ron DeSantis saying we cannot have all of these illegal immigrants coming. We will we will not let them stay here. And then all of these Democrats are like, rebel, rebel, rebel. Oh, we're so angry. Then you have in Chicago, in Chicago, people saying, how dare you try and house migrants here? In New York, the shocking story is that Mayor Eric Adams suggests y'all are going to be housing these people in your apartments and your homes. But don't worry, they'll give you a little bit extra cash if you do. This is insanity. And this country can't survive if this is what's going to happen now. To be honest, this, this, this should not be a black pill moment for all of you. In fact, I'm fairly optimistic. These kinds of things are a wake-up call to the average person. And while we are seeing people in Florida protest Ron DeSantis, you are seeing people in other big blue cities where they are being inundated with illegal immigrants. You're seeing them push back. 
Now, how can we have our cake and eat it too? Look, in the, in the culture war right, which I always try to stress includes traditional liberals, because the left in this country, uh, the, 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 the uh, culture war right is traditional liberals. The culture war left is a cult of madness. People are waking up to these problems and they're saying, OK, that we, we, we have to do something about this. We cannot just let untold tens of thousands or millions into this country. But the cult, they don't seem to know or care. And they keep protesting it. But sooner or later, regular people will start to reject it. Because guess what? When an illegal immigrant is brought to your house and they say this person is going to either sleep in your house or on your lawn. Yeah, now they might be saying, hold on there a minute. Uh Uh-oh. The things you voted for are coming back to roost. Take a look at this story. What I think may be one of the most shocking stories we have ever seen as it pertains to illegal immigration. New York City Mayor Eric Adams suggests locals could eventually house migrants in their own homes for extra cash. Now, to be fair, they're not saying by mandate. They're saying they'll uh, incentivize it. They'll give you money. Where does the money come from? From you. Don't you get it? Each and every one of you in New York City, in Chicago, in L.A., name your city, name your blue Democrat run city. You will pay taxes. Those taxes will then be kicked back to you when they put migrants in your house. In other words, they will be quartering people in your home free of charge. Welcome to the new era. I hope you're ready. New York City Mayor Eric Adams made an interesting suggestion on additional ways for the city to help out, help out the influx of migrants coming to the city. I got an idea. Deport them. Um, I like how the media likes to say migrants. These are illegal immigrants. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah, no person is illegal. The left made a really good point when they said this. They said, you can't call them illegal immigrants because no person is illegal. I say, you are correct, good sir. They're criminal immigrants. They're criminals, criminal immigrants. They're breaking the law, illegally entering the country. So they're criminal immigrants. And, and, and that is not a, a, a meant to be insulting or disrespectful. It's meant to be fact-based. I don't want to call someone illegal. It doesn't really make sense. I, I, I really do think illegal immigrant doesn't make sense. Like, I, I don't know. I just just describing an immigrant as illegal. It, the action was illegal. A person who commits illegal actions is a criminal. So I think factually to get to the root of this, it's criminal immigrant is the way to describe these individuals. The discussion took place on Monday during an address at City Hall. Adams announced that houses of worship had stepped up around the city. He then goes on to say, we're going to pitch in, you know, give them some cash says the two-year partnership with New York Disaster Interfaith Services will allow up to 50 houses of worship or faith to offer overnight shelter for up to 19 single adult men at each location. I do think, to be completely honest, a lot of this is about destroying religion. Using these churches to accommodate these economic migrants will jam up the actual utility of these churches, community building and bringing Christians together. They want to mention, uh, I think he's, where, where does he say it? They have spare rooms. Look at this. It is my vision to take this, take the next step, go to the faith-based locales, and then move to private residence. <laughs> Holy crap. There are residents who are suffering right now because of the economic challenges. They have spare rooms. They have locales. And if we find a way to get over the 30-day rule and other rules that government has in place, we can take that $4.2 billion, $4.3 maybe now that we potentially have to spend, and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers. They destroy the economy. They invite more migrants to come in who will also contribute to the destruction of the economy. And then they'll say, are you hurting? 
Are you hurting? Oh, it's really bad. Hey, we'll give you some back. Your, we'll give you back some of your tax money if you give this people your home. Welcome to the modern era, my friends. Here's Chicago. I love this. Chicago resident shares fury over city's $51 million migrant aid package. Just a mess. There are a couple viral videos of people in Chicago saying, you're not going to house these people in my neighborhood, but I'll certainly vote for you again. Oh, I love the people of Chicago. If there was ever a city that was the definition of insanity, it is Chicago. For 100 years, they have voted in Democrats over and over again, marching in lockstep like psychopaths, like genuinely deranged individuals every time. And it gets worse. It's absolutely remarkable to me that growing up in a place like Chicago, everyone's complaining. Things are getting so much bad. There's crime. I remember where I lived, there was a guy running around shooting at people, but that's not even a story. Not even a story. There are mass shootings in Chicago like every single weekend. So what do they do? They say, I know I'll vote Democrat this time, which has done absolutely nothing. But it's okay. Now you're going to have all these migrants in your houses. Cry, cry, cry all you want. I ain't, I, I got nothing for you. Nothing. So here we go. Governor Ron DeSantis signs strongest anti-illegal immigration legislation in the country to combat Biden's border crisis. Okay. All right. So as we know, in Florida, Ron DeSantis is doing stuff. He's been doing a lot of great stuff. He's got a lot of great policies. Maybe uh, he'll become the president. I don't think so. But uh, I think his policies are absolutely fantastic. You see, in Florida, they have it bad with illegal immigration. It's you got a heavy Spanish speaking population down there. So a lot of people who come from Venezuela or Cuba or other countries want to seek refuge there. They come on boats. Not easy. But, you know, I, I will admit too, a lot of these anti-communist, anti-socialist migrants who are fleeing these countries, I think we want to find ways to welcome them in. Now, as for the southern border, a lot of these people are just straight up economic migrants coming here for jobs. We do want to find a way to properly allow migration, of course. And I think we could even uptick legal immigration. But this illegal stuff, no, can't have it. No, 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 no. Because you need to be able to place people effectively and say, where are you going? We can't just shove everybody in the same spot. That's not what's happening, though. So in Florida, Ron DeSantis says, OK, you know what? None of this. They said today, government, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signed Senate Bill 1718 to combat the dangerous effects of illegal immigration caused by the federal government's reckless border policies. This legislation makes using E-Verify mandatory for any employer with 25 or more employees, imposes enforceable penal- penalties for those employing illegal aliens, and enhances penalties for human smuggling. Additionally, this bill prohibits local governments from issuing ID cards to illegal aliens, invalidates ID cards issued to illegal aliens in other states, and requires hospitals to collect and submit data on the cost of providing health care to illegal aliens. Bravo, Governor DeSantis. Bravo. And the Republican legislature in Florida. Well, here we go. I love it. Thomas Kennedy tweets, over 6,000 people showed up in Imokali. Uh, to Imokali, I pronounce it, to protest DeSantis's anti-immigrant law and thousands more attended rallies across Florida. More events are being planned for the next few weeks. Oh, amazing. And uh, when did he he post this? He posted this uh, on the second. He has another tweet from the first. Thousands of people marching in Imokali against Florida's anti-immigrant law. Governor DeSantis, you messed up. The immigrant community is energized and mobilized against you. You are going to lose. All right. 
So let's uh, sit back and ask ourselves the obvious question. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you wanna be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once, then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. In a place like New York and in Chicago, where they did nothing, people are outraged. They're saying, we can't accommodate these people. What are we supposed to do? And he says, don't worry. We'll use your money to, to cover the bills. They're angry. In Florida, where Ron DeSantis says, okay, let's preempt this problem and stop it from happening. They say, how dare you? Take nothing you can do. These people are insane. Seriously. Now, I feel like Democrats understand this principle very well. And so they literally just say or do anything because what's the point of trying to actually convince someone whose brain doesn't work? How can you have Simul and, and it's fair, fair point. It may be two different groups of people. It may be more conservative leaning people in Chicago and New York who are angry, and it can be more liberal leaning in Florida who are people who are in Florida who are angry. But there is no accommodating the masses in this regard. There is no way to actually have sound policy if no matter what you do, the urban liberal votes against it, no matter what. So here we are. Now, again, they're not all the exact same people. But you see the problem here. Ron DeSantis is correct. If he did not do this, he would have protests all the same, just like every other city. Granted, he's Florida altogether. But there are a lot of cities in Florida who would be doing the same thing. They'd say, we got a ton of homeless people that are coming in. What do we do? And Ron can be like, don't look at me. I don't know. People are going to protest and they're going to get mad. But he didn't do that. He said, nope, you got to leave. And what did he do? He sent him to Martha's Vineyard. That was fantastic. And for that, I love this story. California officials explore kidnapping charges over 16 migrants flown to Sacramento. Governor Gavin Newsom made no reference to California being a sanctuary state while announcing the investigation. Oh, boy. The migrants traveled to the U.S. from Venezuela and Colombia. Documents they were carrying indicated their private flight may have been arranged by the state of Florida, which is leading authorities to consider legal action against the Florida officials who may be responsible. Don't you love it? We're investigating the circumstances by which these individuals were brought to California. California Attorney General Rob Bonta said in a statement, we are also evaluating potential criminal or civil action against those who transported or arranged for the transport of these vulnerable migrants. These people are evil. They're evil. There's nothing more that I can say. Okay. This is what evil looks like. They are a sanctuary state. They encourage these people to come. If you then say, okay, and facilitate it, they will threaten you with criminal charges for doing what they said is legal, acceptable, and good for their state. Why charge someone with a crime 
for helping migrants. If migrants going to California are going to have a better life, if California is a sanctuary state, if the state provides resources to these illegal immigrants who are crossing the southern border, it is a good place for them to be, is it not? So if you were to then send them there, you'd be helping them. Why would the government of California want to threaten you with criminal charges? You see, they're playing dirty games. They say the 16 migrants were initially transported by bus from El Paso to New Mexico, where they boarded the flight to Sacramento. Upon arrival, they were dropped off the doorstep of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Sacramento, the LA Times reported. When someone of the diocese opened the door, two men said they would return, but drove off, leaving the group of migrants on the doorstep. Over the past few years, there, have been, there has been fierce debate over the transportation of migrants from border states, where local officials have neither the fin- financial nor human capital to handle the massive influx of asylum seekers. Come on, Adrian. This is TimCast.com over here. We don't call these people asylum seekers. We just call them illegal immigrants. Okay, I'm sorry. Criminal immigrants is probably better. If they're legitimately asylum seekers, then fine, so be it. But I don't believe that to be the case. And I believe it is fair to say that unless we have evidence they're actively seeking asylum, I will not give them the benefit of the doubt. The overwhelming majority of these people, when interviewed, just say they want money. Yo, dude, I'm not here to give you money. Excuse me. There was that uh, really funny story where um, I think it was L.A. Times actually interviewed one of the one of the migrants in in the caravan heading towards the U.S. And they said, why are you coming to the U.S.? Why won't you? You know, Mexico offered you asylum and shelter. Why don't you take it? And one one person said, "I, I miss my PlayStation. That's it. Are they fleeing violence? No, they'd stay in Mexico if that was the case. Does Mexico have violence? Sure. So are they fleeing violence? No, they want PlayStation. My favorite was the person who said, I miss Buffalo Wild Wings. Dude, I miss Buffalo Wild Wings too. Everybody agrees. Everybody. Buffalo Wild Wings is the greatest. Man, it's just so good. Just, just those crispy wings. Mm, can't, can't go wrong. I'm only half kidding, by the way. I'm not really intending to do a promotion for Buffalo Wild Wings, but come on. How great is Buffalo Wild Wings? So I feel for these migrants who are marching thousands of miles to the United States saying, I just want those sweet, delicious Buffalo Wild Wings. The only problem, Mexico has Buffalo Wild Wings too. And I know because I've been there in Mexico. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings. It's delicious. And it was, uh, I can't remember where I was. I don't know, Mexico City. Mexico City is amazing and beautiful. And it's remarkable to me that there are people in the United States, these liberals who are like, we got to let these migrants come to the U.S. even though Mexico's offered them asylum because it's so dangerous. And I'm like, bro, have you been to Mexico? Everybody watches these movies and Mexico is always sepia toned. So they just assume. And it's funny, too, because Canada often is like blue toned. It's very weird. But people just assume that Mexico is like a big desert. And it's like you're driving around the desert. It's like, dude, Mexico City is in the mountains. It is beautiful. It is elevated. It is a massive city with amazing food and amazing people and beautiful skyscrapers. I, in fact, you know what? I should go. I, I, I kind of want to go on vacation there. It's fantastic. And they got Buffalo Wild Wings. Why won't these migrants just stay there? Because it's not about any of that. It's about economics. It's about the money. It's about how in the United States, in the U.S., you make more money. That's really all it is. So I get it, man. The American dream is palpable. You can see it. But what, what is this? Now, nah, we can't we can't sustain this. 
And the people of New York and Chicago completely understand exactly why you can't. But don't worry. In New York City, not only are you going to get influxed with illegal immigrants who will live in your house, the ones that are on drugs will go to the local vending machines for drug use. That's right. This is what you can get from these cities. So don't come at me and blame Ron DeSantis when this is what your cities do. Your tax dollars hard at work. New York City unveils $11,000 safe drug use vending machine in Brooklyn that gives out crack pipes, Narcan and fentanyl test strips for free. And the next one will also have syringes. Oh, Lord, have mercy. There we go. Look at this. Yesterday proudly unveiled their latest offering to residents, a free safe drug use vending machine dishing out crack pipes, the overdose reversing drug Narcan and fentanyl test strips for free. Absolutely remarkable. You know, this stuff breaks my heart. I think back to the uh, fictitious days of American history. I say fictitious because there was always some conflict, chaos and strife this country was beset by. But man, you look back in time and you see these pictures of like happy families with white picket fences and all that stuff. And you're like, I just wish it really was like that. You know, the truth is, though, we were at uh, we were at we were at um, the steakhouse, the casino, and they have these uh, big pictures of celebrities from, you know, the 1920s or whatever, 1930s. And I was like, you realize all those people are like virulent racists, right? Like, I'm not trying to drag them and be mean, but like, yeah, they were super racist. Everybody was back then, like literally. So it's fun to look back and be like, oh, look at the, the good old days when you could have it's like, dude, actually, until like the late 50s, you couldn't cohabitate with people of a different race. So for all of you who have friends who are like Asian, Mexican, black or whatever, it's like that wasn't possible back then. But it was still nice to envision that you could have a house that it was cheap to buy that you can have a picket fence in a yard, work one job and support your family. Those were the days, huh? Except for all the bad social stuff that we had to do away with. But now look what we're dealing with. And there's not a correlation between this. The, the issue is not immigration. The issue is not racism. The issue is socialism, far left ideology. And nobody wants to do hard work and nobody wants to answer, uh, ask hard questions. So this is what you get. The easy way out. What are we supposed to do? We have cultural decay, and all they do is put band-aids over the wound. And then when the band-aids begins to fester, they slap a bandage on top. And when that begins to fester, they wrap another bandage on top. They never rip it off, clean the wound. Because that would imply hardship. Instead, they make it worse. Do you believe that giving out free syringes is going to improve anything? It's not. It's not. I get the idea. You know, they're cleaner. It'll reduce. Uh, it will reduce disease. No, it's going to increase drug use and increase disease. You see, these people are going to reuse these syringes. That's the issue. This idea is like if we give out free syringes, people will be using clean syringes and they won't get diseases. It's like, no, you'll increase the likelihood that people use the syringes and then reuse syringes. And now there are more syringes on the street for them to reuse. So nah. Just unfortunately, this is not the path. But hey, to the people of these cities who are crying and whinging and complaining, that's what you get. Like, what do you expect? You reap what you've sown. You voted for it. Now you're crying about it. And in Florida, they protest against it. There's just no real answer, is there? And I think that's the true test of any leader to understand that no matter what you do, you will face protest. Good luck. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.
I've heard many people say that they are blackpilled. And if you're not familiar with that phrase, it means uh, pessimistic. You don't see a way out. You don't see how we win. It seems like things are getting worse. But my friends, nay, things are getting better. We're winning. We have this story from Business Insider. Conservative boycotts against Target and Bud Light are working thanks to a perfect storm of social media and culture wars experts say. Well, we must trust the experts. They're speaking in the media. Well, the story's from a few days ago. We also have this story from the Wall Street Journal as of this morning. Companies that embraced social issues have second thoughts. Executives rethink if and when to weigh in on potentially divisive issues, fearing backlash from all sides, and develop crisis plans in case things go wrong. I can't say that I was entirely surprised to see this. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I do think a large component of what we see in the media with wokeness is an emergent phenomenon and not a conspiracy. That is, there are many people who believe that all of this is happening because Marxists have infiltrated and that ESG scores dictate finance. And those things are true. But those things do not explain the totality of the culture war picture. That is, I have long argued that algorithms are driving this machine, and I do not think it was intentional. Now, there is a good argument as to it potentially being intentional. Or I should say, it may be that Marxists, neo-Marxists, groomers, etc., ESG, powerful international interests conspired and worked with these big tech platforms to create algorithms that would drive their ideology. Entirely possible. I don't, I don't think so. I, I really don't. Because when you look at Elsagate and other strange algorithmic phenomena that occurred on the internet, it doesn't seem that there was any real plan with any of it. So let me slow down and break down what I see happening. The first and most important message for all of you is reported definitively in numerous mainstream publications. Wokeness is killing these corporations. Get woke, go broke may not be absolute, but it is so likely. And many of these companies are saying we better not do this anymore, with The Wall Street Journal pointing out that many companies are starting to back away and panic, saying we cannot get involved in this. But how could that be 
if we are looking at environmental social governance standards and social credit scores as it pertains to finance. Well, I want to read this article for you, but I want to break it down just very quickly. The algorithmic world. What we see in everything over the past 10 years is, in my opinion, a natural liberal bias among uh, those who work in, and live in big cities to push towards what they view as socially acceptable because they want to make money and they don't want to be on the wrong side of things. I'll put it this way. There was a period where new startups in social media that were writing the algorithm were Ron Paul fans, were libertarian. And then it slowly started to shift into anti-racist, police brutality, transgender issues, feminism, etc. Why? That was was perceivably the civil rights move and socially acceptable. And because people just kept driving in that direction, we ended up here with utter insanity basically everywhere. Indoctrinated young people who believe crackpot crazy things, many others who just fall in line with with whatever is perceivably popular so they don't get ostracized. And then of course, corporations embracing what they think is popular only to have it explode in their faces. Now, the reason why I don't think the algorithmic manipulation is a conspiracy and it's more of an emergent phenomenon, meaning it happened somewhat naturally, is that the initial algorithmic crisis was weird videos of nonsense. You've got Elsa Gate, where people would dress up like Elsa, Spider-Man and Joker and run around and they made a bunch of money doing it. They're that wasn't popular. The machine was just driving that. Now, I suppose you can argue it was a conspiracy and YouTube intentionally was pushing that stuff, but they weren't. They tried to stop it. They panicked. There was an adpocalypse. There was a big push where there was a bifurcation on social media with a right wing push and a left wing push. And what happened? They started shutting down right wing channels. Why? I think it's fairly obvious in the bias of Silicon Valley. You have some regular guy who's surrounded by woke cultist nonsense maybe because of universities, maybe because partially of algorithms. And they say, Tim Pool's a conservative, you should ban him. And they go, well, we don't ban conservatives. You know, just because they're conservative, they're allowed to exist and speak. And then they go, yeah, but Crowder, he's far right. Now, in reality, Crowder's a conservative, I'm a moderate, and they're a liberal. But the far left comes in and says Crowder's far right. And they go, yeah, actually, you know, Crowder does go too far. Because of their personal biases, they enacted rules that they believed were centrist when in fact they were far left. I kid you not. I know people who are socialists who tell me they're they're centrists. And I'm like, dude, you're not a centrist. And they're like, listen, what I'm advocating for, I'm like, you're advocating for redistribution of wealth. That's left. I'm not even saying far left. It's just left. You're not a centrist. So I see a lot of this with the corporations, with Target, with Bud Light. They don't know what they're doing. They're on social media and they see this and they sure go for it. Now, some people have pointed out that human rights campaign has something called like the corporate corporate equality index. And of course, there's the environmental social governance scores. But I don't think those are as strong as people believe. I do think they play a role. Don't get me wrong. But I think what's really happened is when enough people promote an idea and they're in media, everyone else sees it and creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. But regular people are not in that bubble. So when Target crosses the line, regular people snap. And then Target is faced with a massive stock collapse because the world they've been chasing does not exist. They are a crackpot cult. I explained this several years ago. Imagine a giant maelstrom, a whirlpool, and everyone's in it, but it's getting smaller and tighter and spinning faster and faster. Well, as it does, it throws everyone out of it. That was 
mainstream culture, a slow moving spinning pool that we're all in and interacting with. But eventually it tightened up and got smaller to the point where there's very few people still left in it, spinning around like crazy. And the faster it goes, the crazier they get. But most people have been ejected from that world. And that is the media landscape. So on Twitter, people like Jack Dorsey start to believe insane things. When I argue with him about why don't you ban people for disparaging those who are body dysmorphic in general? Why just trans people? They don't have an answer because he's in that weird whirlpool of algorithmic chaos. Those of us that have been ejected from it can see how insane these people have become. And Target stays in it thinking that is dominant culture, but it is not. It is shrinking. It is collapsing. We are winning. Let me read for you the story and we'll elaborate on this. Again, I want to stress, I'm not saying ESG, CEI, all that stuff isn't happening. I'm not saying schools aren't infiltrated by woke, crazy people. That is all true. But it's more than just a group of people. I think what's happening is these ideas may have been in universities, but it was social media algorithms that propagated them. The Wall Street Journal writes, in May, clothing company The North Face released a video for Pride Month featuring drag performer Patagonia. The ad was similar to one the performer appeared in for the outdoor apparel maker early a year earlier. The reaction was not. Within hours, calls for a boycott of the company spread on social media. The North Face wants to be the next Bud Light, one user wrote. Aren't you supposed to learn from others' mistakes? And another user. CEOs spent the past few years adjusting to a world in which investors, customers, and employees expected corporate leaders to align themselves with social causes. Today, that has made companies targets in the U.S. culture wars, where one step can turn a social media storm into a corporate crisis that cripples businesses and wrecks careers. Some CEOs are now rethinking how or whether to weigh in on sensitive, sensitive political or social matters with trans and other LGBTQ, uh, LGBT issues, particularly in the spotlight. At PPG Industries, a Pittsburgh maker of Glidden Paint, Coatings and other products, Chief Executive Tim Navish asked senior leaders at the company earlier this year to review its process for engaging on polarizing topics. So many political and cultural issues have ensnared companies, Navish said, that he wanted the company to have a robust plan should it need to respond. There's no pure algorithm to put all this stuff in a spreadsheet to tell you what to do. PPG uses an internal scoring system to determine if and when it makes sense for the company to comment on matters that may offend some of its customers and employees or affect its brands. I got one for you. How about never? Let's talk about our good friends over at Bud Light. Bud Light decides to do marketing by hiring Dylan Mulvaney. Why? No, seriously, why? I got an idea for an ad campaign for you, Bud Light, you could have done instead. It is a, let's just do this. I said last night a mountain. No, 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 a blank blue background with a can of Bud Light and beer in big red letters. That's it. That, that's all you had to do. Remind people that Bud Light existed and they'll buy it. That's it. Seriously. Instead, they were like, let's find one of the most polarizing, disturbing personalities and have them put on a shocking and offensive display. And maybe that will result in more people buying our product. And it didn't. And it has destroyed Bud Light. Bud Light is now facing a permanent sale decline. If they do not recover in the next couple of months, what's going to happen is all of the distributors are going to realign their products. So basically what happens is you get like a quarterly report and they say, hey, we sold 30% less Bud Light. Replace the Bud Light for the next shipment with Modelo. 
then the Modelo jumps and this will cause a ripple effect. You won't be able to buy the beer because it won't be anywhere. Many people have pointed out that Bud Light is on track to become a specialty beer just for the gay community. Seems possible. But let's read more. They want to say senior leaders, including representatives from the legal department and human resources, meet regularly to discuss the pros and cons of taking a position. If executives do decide to comment, they then discuss how to best communicate. Navish said he reexamined an older evaluation process the company used in light of recent blow ups. Blow ups. We run a business. We don't run a political organization. We don't run a religious organization and we don't run a social organization. However, we recognize that we operate in a society. We hire employees with opinions and views. We work with customers that have opinions and views. So we have to take all of that into account. I'll tell you this. We have a coffee company. Go to castbrew.com and you can buy our coffee. We say on the back that uh, we did this because we want to uh, build companies that support American values. That's it. That's all we're saying. We are a company that supports American values. We love this country. We want to be better, a more perfect union. We want to weed out corruption. We want civil rights to expand. We think America is great. I am not going to make Casper ads where it's like we here at a coffee company think that what they're doing in the oil drilling industry is what? It's coffee. It's, it's coffee. Now, look, if where we source our coffee from has a controversy, then we will say our company sources our coffee from this location and do this. We'll do this, that or otherwise. But why is Bud Light engaging in issues on pride? What does that have to what? Bud Light, drink it because gay people should get married. Huh? Your product has nothing to do with any of that. If you were selling wedding dresses, I might okay, say, okay, like, well, they're in the wedding industry and they want to sell products to a certain group of people or whatever. But beer? It doesn't make sense. You're a paint company, dude? Come on. Everyone's unhappy. Executives are finding out how easy it is to leave everyone unhappy. After a Bud Light promotion with Elmo Vanny, we get it. Resulted in collapse, then Target. We get it. We all know about that collapse. Look at this. Wow. Police officers outside of Target as people protested across the street in Miami. Wow. Over the past decade, companies have become more vocal on causes such as immigration, voting access, abortion, gay rights, and racial equity, often taking stances shared by progressives. Many executives that they felt pushed by employees or customers to express an opinion on issues rippling through society. What is changing now? executives and corporate advisors said is that conservative groups and political leaders are pushing back against companies more forcefully. Consumers are also more openly expressing frustration that companies are airing views in in some ways, uh, very airing views in ways some don't welcome. The divisiveness in the country, the woke discussion, it's got more teeth. It's got more anger, I think, than anybody really anticipated, said Jim Fielding, a former chief executive of retailer Claire's Stores, and a former president of Disney stores, who is now an executive at the media company Archer Gray. At Upwork, which operates a marketplace for freelance workers and other professionals, Chief Executive Hayden Brown said she and her leadership team have developed an internal rubric over the past three years that has proven helpful in determining how to handle delicate issues. The company considers a series of questions when deciding whether to weigh in. How central is this topic to our business, to our customers? Bingo. That's the first question, right? Does it really concern them? Would they expect us to be opining on this because it really intersects with their day-to-day lives? We don't think it's our job to opine on everything, but at the same time, it's not our job to stay on the sidelines either. No, no, it certainly is, okay? It certainly is. I am not going to come out. Well, look, this is a commentary channel. This is what Timcast does. But I'm saying like the average business, let's say um, you make, uh, let's, uh, what's it, tires. 
You make tires for cars. I don't care about your opinion on whether gay people can hook up with each other. Ford trucks built Ford tough. And then the car comes out. It's a rainbow flag. What does that have to do with a car? Nothing. All you're doing is spitting in the face of half, half the population for no reason. So don't be surprised when no one wants to buy your product because you're like, we intentionally want to offend people in a way that has nothing to do with our core business. But they get it. Brown took the CEO job in January 2020 and said her entire tenure has been marked by such decisions, resulting in the company commenting on race, uh, commenting on race after the murder of George Floyd and on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Why? <laughs> Look, we here at Timcast don't have a corporate or editorial stance to, to publicly declare, but I, as the principal talent of the Timcast Corporation, opine for a living. It makes sense. People come here quite literally to hear what I think and what I have to say, or just to outright argue with me in the comments. And that's fantastic. But as for any other company, dude, I don't care why a soap company, I don't care what a soap company thinks about George Floyd at all. I just don't. Bro, does it clean my hands and my dishes? Then why do I care about what you think about police brutality? Are you selling soap to cops? It's, 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 it needs to stop. It needs to end. They say, despite the growing acceptance of LGBT rights and the legalization of same-sex marriage in many countries, companies still grapple with anti-gay sentiment at home or internationally. In Malaysia, police officers in May raided two stores owned by Swiss company Swatch and confiscated LGBT-themed watches with rainbow elements. The LA Dodgers experienced an outcry. Okay, I'm not going to read what they said. They're having the situ- Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yeah, that's like a minstrel show. I'm, 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 dude, I'm, I don't pl- I'm not playing games, okay? When you get a bunch of people to dress up like nuns with painted faces, men to do so, to mock Christianity, I don't see that as any different from a minstrel show where people put on blackface. And the left certainly does, but their opinions are garbage. I don't care what they think. Don't go around insulting groups of people for no reason. You want to criticize a religion? I get it. Absolutely. This is just direct mockery without critique. Direct mockery. In a letter to Major League Baseball, Florida Senator Marco Rubio objected to the invitation. They rescinded it. They brought it back. And now you've got Major League Baseball players threatening boycotts. So what happens? MLB changes their logo. Get rid of the, gets, they get rid of the pride flag. The experience are reshaping conversations among executives as they enter Pride Month. There's no Pride Month. That's just something that the left made. And I'll say it this way. Look, the left can decide it's Pride Month. That's fine. Which is why I said it's American Greatness Month. If you can just decide that's what it is, then it is fine. So if you're on the left, it's Pride Month to you. To me, it's not. To me, it's American Greatness Month because I've so deemed it. And if you agree, say the same thing. Say, oh, I don't know anything about Pride Month. It's American Greatness Month. Tomorrow, or I'm sorry, next month, MAGA Month. That's right. Today is where we celebrate. This month is where we celebrate the greatness of America and all its accomplishments, achievements, and the expansion of civil rights. And next month, we celebrate strengthening America and working towards a better future for everyone. And you change your profile picture to have a little American flag. That's what we do. Because I just so deemed it. And if the corporations deem it, they could do the exact same thing. It's not the end of LGBT marketing. It's the end of amateurism in LGBT marketing, says Fabrice Hudart, who consults Fortune 500 companies. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. They want to advertise to LGBT people. And by all means, sure. I can see that my clients are more cautious 
But none of them have said, I'm going to change my strategy or roll back what I'm doing. I don't believe it. They are. They're panicking. Now, I know a lot of companies are doubling down. We have, uh, let me see if I, here we go, fortune.com. Big companies from PepsiCo to General Motors are still backing pride events, even after Target and Bud Light face anti-LGBTQ backlash. Okay. Boycott them. Seriously. This is why we started castbrew.com. We want a coffee company that doesn't do these things. We want physical locations where people can share ideas and meet in the real world and be free from all of this stuff. We're not for or against anything. We're uh, 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 and, and culturally, but one thing for American values and people want to come together and share ideas. And that means that if you're LGBTQ and you want to come to a Casper coffee shop and debate your ideas and hang out and have coffee, you're welcome to. It's America, baby. It's a free country. It's what we're all about. But we're not going to sponsor pride events. Why would we do that? Why would we sponsor anything? We're going to sponsor our own events and just do our thing. This is what companies need to be doing. Now, the main point, Jeremy's chocolate, Jeremy's razors, conservative dad's ultra right beer, you name it. Go to publicsq.com. Download their app. It's an app that shows you businesses that support American values. Just start supporting businesses that share your values. It's not perfect, but we can build up a strong market that says no to all of this. You know what? Don't drink Pepsi. Not because of anything having to do with this. No, it's because the sugar is just awful for you. Pepsi's so bad for you. In my opinion, I think you'd be better off not drinking it. Consult the doctor about your health decisions. General Motors, bro, I can get any car. Hey, how about this? Elon Musk ain't perfect. Tesla certainly has woke policies. But so long as Elon Musk is buying Twitter, supporting documentaries like What is a Woman, blasting it out to like 100, 200 million viewers, buy a Tesla. If you can, I know they're not always super cheap, but support people who are doing things you like. Vote with your dollars, vote with your feet, and you can make those changes happen. In the meantime, let me just say the time is now. We're seeing it in the news. They are telling us outright companies are reeling from this. Now is the moment we double down. Don't shop at Chick-fil-A. And I know people are like, you'll never get a Chick-fil-A boycott. Suburban moms love it too much. So what? If their sales drop by 5% because we don't go there, let them feel it to any degree. Because when they do, they'll spread the word. Hey, guys, we lost a lot of money because of this. And nobody wants to lose money. They want to make money. So it's that simple. No matter how small you may feel, your actions matter. And if you all, each and every one of you said, I will not service these companies. I will not buy from General Motors. I will not buy Pepsi. I will not buy Target. I will not buy Bud Light. It will impact them and let them know. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time. It's a shocking story, a horrifying revelation, the transphobic attack against actor Elliot Page. For those who are not familiar, you may be familiar with actress Ellen Page, and that is Elliot Page's dead name. Ellen Page transitioned to a male identity and now goes by Elliot Page. Today, in a shocking story, Elliot Page reveals chilling transphobic attack outside of an L.A. hotel where an individual said that they were going to effing gay bash Elliot Page and then used a homophobic slur and then said this is why they need a gun. 
Okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just say right now, with all due respect, in my opinion, this never happened. And of all the things that didn't happen, this didn't happen the most, as the joke goes. You mean to tell me that a person specifically used the phrase gay bash in Los Angeles, of all places, and then said, this is why I need a gun. It's like, (laughs) it's too over the top. Okay, now look, fair point. It's possible. It absolutely is. Because uh, some people mentioned this sounds like it might be a crazy homeless person intentionally trying to shock someone and get press attention. They want people to look at them. They want people to to see them. And so honestly, yeah, I do think it's it's it is possible. I'm just going to go ahead and say one of the major proponents of the Jesse Smollett hoax now coming out with this story is that confidence building and in all likelihood did not happen. But my favorite part about it was that this is why I need a gun. Like for all the anti-gun activists, they're going to be like, see, this is what people want guns for. Dude, I really, really, really don't think this happened. But uh, okay, how about I read the story for you as we enter what may be the next phase in the hate crime hoax stories. The fascinating thing about this story is that it happened a while ago. You see, Jesse Smollett's error was that he was like, yo, it just happened. And they're like, "Okay, we'll go and just look at the footage. And then sure enough, the evidence was against him. If Smollett had just said something happened, I can't talk about it. And then waited a year. Well, then archives are gone. Witnesses are gone. People forget what happened. And you can basically say whatever you want. It's very hard to dig up, which is convenient for actor Elliot Page. But let's get real. I'm not going to bury the lead or bury the details. Let's just jump right into it. From Macmillan Publishers, Page Boy, a memoir by Elliot Page, now available for sale as of today. Hey, wait a minute. It's on sale today, June 6th, 2023. That's 6-6. And uh, when did this story come out from the New York Post? Why? It's also June 6th. Now, to be fair, it was from the L.A. Times art, uh, story, which was a couple days ago. So a lot of people are pointing out that the L.A. Times story, which is a more in-depth uh, story, uh, a lot of people are saying they're trying to imply that the story dropped today with the New York Post to coincide with the book. Well, maybe uh, I think the New York Post just wrote its, you know, the story today because this is when they saw it. Fine, whatever. But I, I still do think the L.A. Times column is meant to coincide with the promotion of the book, which is going on sale in a couple of days. So let's break it down. Elliot Page telling this story. Yeah, it's for shock content to make sure that everybody knows the new book is on sale. And it is. Congratulations. And it's intentionally, I believe, for people like me to make videos. They know all of this. Marketing people aren't stupid. I'm not going to say the smartest people in the world, but there's some very smart people and they know, hey, look, if we do this story, it may be ridiculous, nonsensical. Nobody can prove you wrong. You can say whatever you want. And then you're going to get the left and the right talking about it. Bang. Everybody now knows about your book. Good move. Maybe this story's true. You know, look, I don't have uh, I try not to be absolute. I would just simply say based on what I know about reality and Elliot Page, having been a proponent of the Jesse Smollett hoax on national television, saying like, it's happening to us. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't. I just don't believe this person. I, th- I believe this, this is a bad person. I believe Elliot Page is a very, very bad person. I think Elliot Page is. 
how would I how, how would I describe Elliot Page? Chaotic. Chaotic evil, maybe. No, that's that doesn't make sense. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Neutral evil. I believe there's a component of the banality of evil in Elliot Page. I believe there's an intent to empower themselves. I believe that there is a selfishness in this person and they feign victimhood to to for for notoriety. I do believe that they, they probably have traumas and suffering. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying this to be overtly disrespectful personally. I just think professionally, Elliot Page is a very bad person. Actor Elliot Page has shared he was verbally attacked and threatened by a crazed transphobic man who shouted that he was the reason, quote, I need a gun in Los Angeles last year. Page, 36, was standing on a corner in West Hollywood on his way to the Pink Dot convenience store when the enraged and hateful stranger approached him, shouting obscenities, according to the L.A. Times. I'm going to effing gay bash you, says the man, the man yelled and homophobic slur, forcing the actor to bolt toward the store in fear. Employees at the Pink Dot escorted a terrified page into the shop, but the man allegedly followed him and stood at the store's doorway. Now, for those that may be confused, the he is referring to Elliot Page, who is biologically female. Uh, I say that as a clarification for some people who may be confused as to who the he refers to. This is why I need a gun, the maniac reportedly yelled at Page through the glass door. Page, whose dead name was Ellen Page, revealed he was transgender in 2020. Now he says he no longer feels safe in Los Angeles. For those that are not familiar, West Hollywood is a very uh, prominent gay neighborhood. They have uh, what's that? Uh, what's that bar called? Is it the Abbey? I think it is. It's like very, very prominent and famous gay area. If I, I mean, that's that's the area. So 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 hold on. You mean to tell me that a homophobic guy was walking through the densest gay neighborhood and shouted this very bland and overt statement as specific as possible, and then said they needed a gun. Yo, I, I, I go. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. If they said, if uh, uh, if Elliot Page said that a guy screamed, I can't stand you people or something like that, you disgust me, I might be like, oh, wow. You know, yeah, I mean, maybe. But to be so specific, just so specific, like, nah. And And again, Elliot Page is the person who went on, I think it was what, Colbert, and was like, what happened to Jesse Smollett? Oh, it's happening to all of us. It's hatred, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know. It's not the exact quote. But no, it just lies. Just lies. These, these, these people know they lie. They lie all the time. They lie for power. Surprise, surprise. Elliot Page is selling a book today. Now, when I'm in Los Angeles, I don't feel, comf feel comfortable like I used to going for walks. You know, Elliot, I have some advice. Uh, serious, serious advice. Get a gun. Uh, wear legal and, and legally. You know, go through whatever you need to go through, the proper permitting and everything. It is your Second Amendment right to own a gun, to keep and bear arms. And if this story is true, I say this, a, a crazed man saying transphobic things and they need a gun. Elliot, you need to have a gun. And I, and I mean that with the utmost respect. Nobody should be threatened or physically attacked. And if someone does threaten you, you should be able to defend yourself and stand your ground. It is never the victim's fault. If you come at someone else and they say, stop, don't come any closer. It is not their responsibility to run from you, the aggressor. Or I should say run from the aggressor. I shouldn't say you, the aggressor, but it is never the victim's fault. The ordeal may have shaken the actor 
But he acknowledged that he has the privilege to stay in safer hotels and higher security if needed, unlike most people living in L.A. Doesn't mean it's not traumatic, but I have resources that in every instance that is difficult, protect and can shield me from these things. The Juno Star's recounting of the alleged verbal assault and threats comes in the wake of another story he recently shared in his upcoming memoir, Page Boy, about when a famous a-hole told him being gay doesn't exist, which is absurd. It certainly does. Page, who came out as gay in February 2014, claims that an unnamed A-list actor said he was going to, I'm not going to read that, but um, make Elliot Page not gay. He purposely did not name the accused high-profile celebrity, but said they would hear about this and know it's him. The actor added that another celebrity whom he describes only acquaintance insisted, you aren't gay, that doesn't exist, you are just afraid of men. Hmm. Well, I have to wonder about stories like this, especially when the book is now available for sale, says Macmillan Publishers. Sorry, I, I, I don't buy it. I, I, look, it is, it is now the best time to come out with whatever story you want to, to generate press and get attention. And Elliot Page pr- pushed the lie about Jesse Smollett. So credibility ain't there. This individual seems to be disturbed. And I'm not saying that to be mean. That is not personal. Uh, uh, I am not trying to slight Elliot Page. I am saying Elliot Page seems to be suffering from a mental affliction, that uh, a depression of some sort. And I believe that's factually uh, correct. And I believe that's publicly acknowledged that Elliot Page was severely depressed. I believe that there is a deep social trauma and anxiety this person is suffering. And I really do wish them the best. I hope they find happiness. I hope they're happy now. I hope their book sells. I hope all of their good fortune comes their way. I just want to make sure that, um, you know, we, we, we talk about stories like this and address them on its face and discuss the probabilities of this. I don't want people lying, cheating, stealing, and fabricating hoaxes to make money. But if the story is true, I think it's very slim, the likelihood that it is true. But if it is, then I, I, I absolutely feel bad for, for Elliot Page. Elliot Page should be able to live and do whatever Elliot Page wants. And you should, and, and, and as many people did point out too, I think it's fair to say, sounds like it might be a crazy homeless person or someone who's very unwell intentionally screaming these things. We see it in New York. We see it in SF. So it's no surprise that we might hear a story like this. Seriously. And this person might know specifically that by screaming these things, these people, they, if they tell that story, no one will believe them. No one will believe them. But, you know, look, they even, write, they even come out and say this right here. Page Boy was released today with a brief tour promoting the memoir at venues all over North America from June 6th to the 14th. Well, surprise, surprise. I don't know about you, but I find it very hard to believe. I guess we'll just see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I think at this point, Get Woke Go Broke is almost law in the market. Now, I often say it's not absolute in that sometimes wokeness does make money, but I have to wonder if things make money in spite of the wokeness. That is to say, getting woke will make you go broke, but sometimes something else can overcome that and generate money, creating the illusion that in fact something woke made money. You get my point? We have this exciting news, my friends. Disney on track to lose millions on The Little Mermaid. One analyst said it was a massive flop. I'll tell you why. Look, if you're trying to market on nostalgia and you race swap the main character and change major plot elements of the movie, 
Don't be surprised when people don't come to see it. I think, to be honest, the race swapping may have been the strongest component in why people didn't go see it. And I, and I mean that. And it's kind of a bummer. I mean, I don't really care all that much about race as it pertains to certain characters. Like James Bond, for instance, could definitely be, be played by Idris Elba. And that would be epic because he's fantastic. And he is like a very masculine. He, he fits the role really well. He's a British guy, you know, masculine muscles, all that good stuff. He could be James Bond, right? There are a lot of people that didn't want to see it. They were like, no, you can't do it. Well, I guess James Bond introduced like a black female spy character. And people are worried, okay, James Bond can't be a woman. No, I'm sorry. That, that, like, I don't, that James is a, is a man's name, right? But there is, uh, there's like this, this rumor or lore or whatever people talk about that James Bond is a code name given to certain agents or whatever. I got to be completely honest. I really don't care if you got Idris Elba to play James Bond because it's a recurring movie. They, they make more. They make more. There's, there's new James Bonds. We expect the character to change. That I'm fine with. I don't think a woman would fit the role, though. Like, you know, it's just too different. Now you got Ariel, okay? You've got a movie whose intention is to get millennials like me to go see it. Now, I honestly just didn't want to see it. I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't really care all that much about race swapping. I do think it's kind of funny that they race swapped the character but kept the red hair. And they're like, well, it's because the character has red hair. And I'm like, the, the character also had fair skin or whatever. But I do think your average suburban mom or dad or whatever saw this and was just like, I don't care. It's not that they actively said, I refuse to go see that movie. I think it's they did not feel it. You know, I have to imagine that if I saw Ariel on screen, just like when I watched Little Mermaid as a kid, I might be like, oh, wow, I really want to go see that. I don't feel that for this. But to be to be air, to be fair, it's not me. I mean, it's, it's I should say, to be fair, it's not the 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 race issue. I didn't really care to see any of the live action remakes. My point is simply, I am under the impression that there are many people who don't relate this to a nostalgic feeling because it's very different. Not only that, though, they changed key plot elements. Apparently, I don't want to spoil the movie, I guess, but they just changed core elements of the story, like the ending and how. And, and so people were just like, I don't want to see it. Well, here's the news from TimGuest.com. Disney is on track to lose millions despite a strong turnout. They spent roughly $390 million on producing and promoting the film. Theaters take approximately half the ticket sales, meaning the film industry must hit nearly $800 million to break even. According to a report from The Stock Dork, The Little Mermaid achieved a successful domestic debut, generating $118.6 million over a four-day opening period, ranking it among the top five highest-grossing films from Memorial Day weekend. However, internationally, the film's earnings were only $68 million. The live action remakes of Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin both reached a billion dollars, a benchmark becoming increasingly less likely for the woke Little Mermaid film to reach. Here's a funny thing. You have Beauty and the Beast, which was, uh, I, I, I saw it and I was kind of like, you know, whatever, I don't know. You had Aladdin, I also saw it and I was kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. They're not as good as the, as the classic animated versions, but I do think, and you know, whatever, whatever you want to think about it. I think race swapping had a massive negative impact on this, especially internationally. Look, I think people around the world are fairly racist. I mean, look, China, for instance, they did ad campaigns that didn't show Ariel in China because they know people in China are very, very racist. Surprise, surprise, I guess. 
the live action remakes of Beauty and the Beast. Now, Len, if the film manages to gross only $600 million globally, it will result in a loss of $200 million. And even, even achieving this level of domestic earnings still needs to be determined, the report explained. Therefore, domestically, the likelihood that it could gross 300 to 350 million seems overly optimistic. Wow, that's crazy. Aladdin did a billion dollars. The children's film has been an avalanche of controversy since its, its announcement due to the race bending of the lead character and edits to make the original songs more politically correct. Disney also invited drag queen Nina West to the movie's L.A. premiere, which probably played a big role. The 44-year-old drag queen, whose real name is whatever, has become a staple of Disney's children's programming after competing on RuPaul's Drag Race. In a post to Instagram with a video of the red carpet, Levitt wrote, look, I'm just going to stop there. Can I just say, remember that movie Bros, where was, uh, what's that guy's name? Billy, uh, uh, Billy, Billy Eichmann? Eichner? Is it Eichner? Sorry, I'm not trying to get his name wrong. I just don't know who he is. He's a gay guy, comedian. And he made a movie called Bros, which is about two guys who are hooking up. And the movie bombed. It imploded. And he was begging people to go see it. Dude, I got no beef with you or your movie. It's fine. Make the movie you want to make. I hope I hope uh, I wish you success. The problem is you need to understand your market share. And if your market is gay men, then you're going to only get a tiny percentage of this country to go see that movie. But these people live in cult psychopath world where they're like, everything's gay and everyone's gay. They have flags everywhere. And then you ask the average person and they say, I will never see that movie. But they don't get it because they're in a cult. This is what happens with Little Mermaid. You still do sell tickets because some people will probably just go see it. But a lot of people are just like, don't know, don't care, don't want to see this. More so internationally. They're just that's that's not what they're into. Maybe they're racist, call them whatever you want. It ain't going to work. So look, you want to make a romantic comedy for gay dudes? You want to make a little mermaid with race swapping? Consider the budget. How many people are going to be interested in this and how many people want to go see it? If you assume you have general public mass appeal, you're probably wrong, especially internationally. There was one really funny thing that happened with the little mermaid thing where someone used a deep fake technology to put a white woman in the place of Ariel, like they took the actual footage of Little Mermaid and then rendered it so it was a white woman and it got like millions of views and people were like, why don't you just make this? And they're like, you're racist, don't do that. And they complained about it. Listen, people want to feel nostalgia. They want to feel that longing for a time that has since passed. When you make something like this, people don't feel it. And it's not because they're racist. It's because it's not the character. It's not, it's not the character they remember. It's a different person. So I understand. Look, like I was saying, like, I don't care if James Bond is played by Idris Elba. We change Bond actors all the time. And then we argue who is better, who is who is who was worse. But there are a lot of people who don't want to see a black actor play James Bond because James Bond is a, a specific person with a specific background and all that stuff. I get it. I totally do. I don't feel nostalgia for James Bond. The Little Mermaid is one story. And what people were hoping for was to see that story come to life in a real way. But I'll tell you, they bombed this movie in more ways than just that. Apparently, it, it, it was too dark to see anything because they tried to actually make it be like it was underwater. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> in the original Little Mermaid, everything was very brightly colored and bright and exciting. And they make this one as dull and boring. And people just didn't want to go see it. 
Sorry, dude. I think what's happening is a lot of this woke stuff about diversity. Look, here's their gamble. They think that white people are reproducing less. More migrants are coming in. This country is very diverse and we want to maximize market share. That means if you make a movie just for white people, you'll sell 70% of potential tickets. If you go diverse with all different kinds of people, you could get 100%. In reality, all that's happening is they're shaving down their market share. It's a sad reality that people are starting to experience and realize. You can, you can say or do whatever you want, but you know, look, why is it that Chicago is racially segregated by neighborhood? Partly due to redlining and blockbusting, but also a large component, especially these days, is that people choose to live in these areas. It's the reality. We, see, we saw it in Sweden. When, when refugees and migrants come, they say, I want to live next to people who speak the same language as me. They choose to segregate into these communities. We want to actively create spaces where people can come together and these things aren't the defining factor. That I totally get. I think it's fantastic. I don't think we want to homogenize everything. Different cultures are good. I'm not a fan of racism, but I don't think race is the defining factor in culture for sure. But clearly, the hardship is set before you. Your movie bombed. How can you make something like this happen if people don't want to see it? So I don't know. I have to tell you, man. I can't tell you exactly why. I think all of these things play a role in why the movie bombed. But I think I think it's really it's really simple. When people look at this aerial, it's just not the character they remember. And so they don't feel nostalgia. It's not that they don't like black people or that they're racist. It's that you basically just made a new movie. And are people going to want to go see A Little Mermaid? Like, well, not really. When we were kids and it was a Disney movie and our parents brought us to go see it, whether we liked it or not, we, we built that memory up. And now you make a movie with different characters and different plot elements. And we just are not really interested. I'll leave it there. Get what go broke, my friends. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. Don't forget to back the blue, ladies and gentlemen. That way, when you quote the Bible in public, as is your First Amendment right, you'll be arrested. Yeah, I'm rather shocked by this story. As many of you know, I am, uh, I guess, what did, what did Josie say? Deist. Is that what the word is? I believe in God, but I don't follow any organized religion. Much like the founding fathers, she says. Many of them, of course, Christian. Quoting the Bible in public gets Christian arrested, and it's all on camera. Back the blue, baby. Yep. You see, this guy was across from a pride rally, and he was yelling things about sinning. You're allowed to do that. And a cop got mad and actually arrested him. And it is all on camera. Here we go. Let me, let me play this video. This is from a YouTube. This is a YouTube video from Barely Preacher Man. And uh, let me just play for you and then we'll talk about it. Let me uh, make sure I have the, the audio channel. I always screw up the audio channel. Everybody who watches my videos, they're like, oh, he's going to make the audio channels wrong. This cop's going to give him a hard time. So the preacher is saying this is public property. Is that this is public property? The cop says something about being respectful. The, man, the preacher tells the cop, "You do you, I'll do me. This is public property." That God is not, and the cop walks right up. There you go. Grabs him right away. Puts his hands behind his film. back. Can I give him my bag? All stuff's in. 
Preacher asks if he can give his bag. Cop says no. It's coming with you. All of these cops, three cops, two ladies, one guy, arresting a dude for standing across the street from a pride event, and they're clapping as he's getting arrested. I'm watching this. And there it is. So again, don't forget to back back to blue, baby. And uh, there they go. God bless you, brother. And the crazy thing is they're leaving his backpack hanging from his cuffed hands. It's also my honor for making history with us today as we celebrate the first... This is an unjust arrest. We have it on film. There you go. So here's the story. A man has been detained by the cops at a Pennsylvania pride event after arriving with a sign explaining that Jesus said, go and sin no more. And it's all on video. The report comes from Barely Preacher Man. He says, today as our family was driving out of Reading for a family adventure, we saw there was a pride rally at the City Hall building in Reading City. Is it Reading or Reading? I don't know. I saw two Christian protesters out there. So I pulled over. I pull, So I pulled us over and I came out to support and encourage them. I preached for 10 minutes or so until a tyrant cop laid hands on me and threatened to arrest me if I continued. 10 minutes later, another Christian protester came out. He stood his ground against the cop and got arrested as shown in the clip. Most of the attendants, drag queens and children, had come from out of town. Either, uh, is it Lancaster? I think it's Lancaster. Or as far away as New York. The locals in Reading were not out in droves. The gospel went out, but it got pretty rough pretty quickly. Didn't have my GoPro or anything because I had no idea what was going on today. Just the providence of God that we drove by it. On the video by Barely Preacher Man, he's watching and filming the gay fest, talking about his own experience. The additional protester then arrives at the sign. There's a brief exchange between him and the officer who turns away only to a few seconds later charge the man, rip his hands behind his back and cuff him. A report from WFMZ noted the pride events, including the rally at City Hall and a march that ended at City Park. uh, where there was a picnic performances and speeches. There was no mention of the cops attack on the speech of protesters. Social media commenters were not nice to the officer. I guess the First Amendment really uh, means nothing in reading. These police officers were expressing their disapproval of the gospel while wearing a badge and a gun. Shameful. This was an unlawful arrest. Everyone has a right to freedom of speech. I'm not even a Christian, but this was wrong. The Lancaster Patriot identified the man who was arrested as Damon Atkins and confirmed it took less than 60 seconds of standing on the sidewalk for him to be handcuffed for quoting a portion of a Bible verse. Matthew Ware was making the video and told the publication police also had warned him from preaching. The officer was identified as Sergeant Bradley T. McClure. Atkins told the Lancaster Patriot that he was going to quote a portion of 1 Corinthians 14.33. God is not the author of confusion, but did not finish the quote because he stopped when he was handcuffed by McClure. McClure claimed Atkins was carrying a sign with a slogan written on it that showed his opposition of the event. And McClure also claimed Atkins was yelling at people across the street. And he was. I immediately approached him and told him that while he was free to stand on that side of the street and hold his sign, he could not cross the street nor yell comments intended to disrupt the event. Yes, you can. That's called protesting. The report noted that the video does not show Atkins agreeing to remain silent, and Atkins told the Lancaster Patriot that he never agreed to McClure's instructions. Police claimed that he had the intent to cause substantial public inconvenience, annoyance, or alarm, or recklessly creating a risk thereof. 
he engages in fighting or threatening or in violent or tumultuous behavior. Atkins explained to the publication he was cited for derogatory comments, but in reality, he was quoting the Bible. Now in this country, God is a derogatory term, Atkins told the Lancaster Patriot. That makes me sick to my stomach. Amazing. So again, I ask you, back the blue. Look, not every cop is the same. All right. Different cops do different things. And this cop clearly is ideologically captured. He is a part of the cult. And I can tell you that definitively. Why? You don't have to be a Christian to recognize the right of someone to preach. You don't have to be a Christian to recognize the right of someone to stand on a sidewalk and protest. Now, if someone's on the sidewalk and they're screaming obscenities and random things, well, then I think it's reasonable to say, hey, but even then you still have a very dangerous First Amendment. You're on dangerous First Amendment grounds if someone is just cussing and you try to stop them. They're allowed to speak in protest and they can easily make an argument that their cussing is a protest. You're allowed to do it. The First Amendment not only protects the right to peaceably assemble, but the right to practice your religion. And here we are seeing both components or we're seeing two components of this violated outright by these cops. There you have it. Here's what I think. I think this cop likely is a supporter of the pride stuff. 100%. There's a lot of money going in this. Look at this truck back here, this van or whatever, the, with, the, with the paint job for the pride colors or whatever. And Germany, <laughs> I guess. I don't know what these colors are in the back. The German flag or something like that. But yeah, it's plain as day. I think this cop is probably ideologically captured, is probably on board with this. And now the institutional power is being wielded against you, as I stated, would happen. And it will get worse. You'll see more of this. The cops will come to your house, knock on the door and say, you said naughty words. So you're coming with us. And you'll be like, what? You tweeted something bad. Look at what happens in the UK and in Europe. You post something on social media, they come to your house and they arrest you. It will happen here. You tell me it can't because we have a First Amendment. Tell it to this guy. Sure. Maybe he'll sue. Maybe he will win. But the procedure is the punishment. So they'll say, oh, we let him go. He was cited. And then he ended up winning in court. Yeah, they still locked you up. They still stopped your protest. They will be able to shut down your speech and then just say, good faith, whoopsie. Unless people start speaking out and saying no to this. Because you have a right to hold a sign and preach whatever you want on the sidewalk. You have a right to protest. There are questions about disturbing the peace. Fine, fair point. But this ain't it. This was a political ideological rally. And a person came up to oppose that and got arrested for it. If you're an atheist, secular, traditional liberal or classical liberal or whatever, this should be shocking and terrifying to you. Because first they'll come for the Christians who are speaking in opposition to what these people are doing. Next, they'll come for you. And they'll come for you even if you don't say anything. You'll simply not put up the black square on your Instagram profile. And they'll come to your house and, and say, is there a reason why you're not participating? I mean, we're really concerned that you're not being involved in what the community is trying to accomplish here. And you'll say, yeah, look, I, I don't know anything about it. And they'll be like, why don't you come down? Why don't you come with us? Why don't you step outside? Just come, come, come. No, no, put your hands, turn, turn around. Just stop. Don't stop resisting. And then uh, they'll take you. And a lot of people say, no, come on. That's a little extreme, isn't it? No, because that's what they did in the Soviet Union. 
They would disappear you even if you did nothing. The story I heard from a friend, there were two apartments. The neighbors didn't like each other. So one neighbor called the Communist Party and said that the neighbor was bad mouthing the party and they're scared. And the next day, the apartment was completely cleaned out. Everything was gone. A person didn't do anything. One day they woke up and knocked on the door and like, can I help you? And they're like, you're under arrest. For what? For bad mouthing the party. I didn't say anything. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. And it will happen here unless we stand up and say no. Don't back the blue. Not when they do this. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.